so the roadmap is a fairly late entry if you think about it, right? We've been at this in some safe form for five or six years with yeah. the, the actual kind of 1.0, maybe 2011. I don't remember exactly. We've never opined on transformation or change management, and there's a number of reasons for it. Um, number one is we had other fish to fry, yeah. right? When we look at the framework and we said, you know, go back a couple years and say, okay, that's, it, it looks like kind of blocky flow. It looks like sprints and PIs, and that's good, but where's the flow through that? So yeah. the incorporation of real flow and Kanban was always on my mind. Uh, as, we, uh, you know, as we approach the, you know, the 4.0 period, it's like, well, we, people want to scale. People want to yeah. build satellites, not, <laughs> not, you know, not, not just two agile teams or even seven agile teams working together. They're yeah. building satellites, literally putting up satellites to get geospatial data. People are building MRI machines. So we, we had this kind of scaling issue, which was that we scaled up to the uh, agile release train of the team of teams level, but there's a level above that. And that right. was the kind of the large solution level. So we've always looked at the framework and said, you know, it's not there yet. There's not quite the stuff you need to really be successful at the right level of scale. So we had bigger fish to fry. Okay. Secondly is that while we had done many, many transformations, the patterns hadn't emerged. So right. we, had, we were doing them without kind of thinking about them in the abstract. Just like, okay, what do we this guy's an impediment here. This is a Z and he's being a problem. How do we deal with that? Or, yeah. you know, how do we get the right executives together? So the patterns hadn't, hadn't evolved. Third is I knew nothing about organizational change management. All right. So, well, so given that I had, I had no theory of operation. Yeah. So um, one of our SBCs, Joe Vallone, uh, came in, in his training and talked about Cotter's work in OCM. Mm-hmm. And that triggered a thought set. I don't know anything about that. So okay. I, I read Cotter and Switch and two or three others in the field, and those are the two that really stick out. Switch is kind of the visceral view of personal change mm-hmm. and how that, how that can inhibit or support larger change issues. Cotter is a kind of pragmatic, kind of a dean-like, yeah. try this. Yeah. So I read those, and then, I, then we reflected back specifically on Cotter, and we looked at the transformations. We said, he, he's right. All those things happen. You know, the sufficiently ex- reaching a tipping point, the uh, the sufficiently powerful coalition for change, yeah. the, you know, make small wins, celebrate the small wins, don't celebrate too early. And it all, kind of like Reinertsen's work, triggered my understanding what had worked in SAFE. Mm-hmm. Cotter triggered my understanding worked in, o- in, in OCM. Okay. Uh, and, then, and then also our partners were struggling with it. They would say, yeah. this is great. We like the framework. Um, you know, the company X is going to do a transformation. How do we help them? So those things came together. So it took about a year year of working, and I think this is an area where since we weren't locked down on the big picture, big picture has gotten pretty hard to change. Yeah. Not for us. It's just an illustrator. Regina and I can make a rev tomorrow, <laughs> but the rest of the world sees it literally differently. Yeah. So we, we got around to that, and then I took it as kind of a personal mission to understand OCM, translate that back into our experience, and then convert that to safe terms. Okay. And you think about that's what we do with safe is that there's a body of knowledge. It's deep, this many yeah. books, and I'm going to write 2,000 words. Yeah. So, so that distillation. So we did that in the roadmap, and it starts with uh, it starts with the tipping point. What do you do if it's a burning platform? It may be a burning platform, but guess what? It's easy to change. Yeah. What do you What do you if you do? It's not a burning platform, and people are resistant to change, but you need to move forward. So those things together kind of, you know, collapsed into a series of articles which okay. I wrote, and actually Regina is sitting here uh, was my kind of editor, okay. and it, it, it wasn't strictly a technical thing. It was technical, business, and a little bit of organizational psychology. Regina's good at that, and culture, so she added that. So those articles went through lots and lots of revs, and then I rolled them out over 1 through 12, and then we eventually wrap them back uh, into into a story. The other thing that was cool about that series is that, say what you will, SAFE is a website, and it's random access. So does it tell a story? 
One could argue, uh, does, a, you know, does a database tell a story? No, it's really, it's, it's there, it has no GUI. So the nice thing about the roadmap articles is it actually was sequential. Okay. So I finally got to say, and in the last article, we talked about this yeah. and, and really moved forward. So it was a fun series to write. Um, it also tied in things like uh, the role of a safe program consultant, which is critical. There are change agents in the right. organization. And I said, well, I need to talk about that. I've never talked about that. We yeah. train them. So th those things came together in the roadmap, and that's one of the four major themes of this release. Even though it's been there throughout, if you clicked on the old implementation figure, you could find the roadmap, but it wasn't. Now it's blatant. It's yeah. like here's the little here's the little S curve down there, and Which there you go. I just want to for folks that are watching, if you're if you're looking at safe, I mean the idea of here I am, I want to be over here. The way that agile transformation used to work was okay, just be ad, do some training, yeah. be agile, then you'll be right. over here. It doesn't work. Like yeah, that. no, it's a really big step over yeah. there. And I think, as, as you know, we've grown up with larger enterprises, um, and there are cases where frightening a thousand people contribute code to a specific router. Yeah. Well, that's not a trivial problem, and SAFE isn't a trivial framework. So, how do you get from uh, a non trivial thing, but at least straightforward to understand, you know, maybe a scrum like process or a right. flow based process, to a thousand people working in a single code base? Shipping new software on a router every 90 days. Yeah, it's not a trivial problem. It's a lot of so work. So not not only do you need a framework that scales to that, but you need some insights as to how to go about it. Do you find that um, for organizations that are making the change, I mean, we took away all their old ways of planning, which gave them a false sense of security. Mm -hmm. Do you find that being able to explain this or help them see things in this way appeases that a little bit? They get it does. not the false sense of you security, know, but an understanding of what what you have. Let happen. me go back to the, the the impetus for the big picture. I was in a you know a little showdown, if you will, with a huge PMO organization. Okay. And they they were the company was struggling mightily for sure. But can you blame the PMO? N no, you can't really blame. Well, we can. Any, we can. I okay. think we can. Okay. <laughs> I guess maybe we <laughs> can. In this it's form, not their fault. But, but we don't can blame do them anyway. Right. So in, in in the middle of this process, it's like, how do I convince them this is the right thing to do? And do they care about Scrum? No. no. Do they care about Agile? No. no. What do they care about is large scale program execution. And they know how they do it now. Right. So I said, they know how they do it now. They don't know how they're going to do it later. If I just pull the rug out from under them and say, your dog doesn't hunt anymore, that's some old school stuff, you ossified, silly old fashioned thinkers, right. I'm going to be thrown out of the room. So I drew the picture, not on a napkin, so to speak. It evolved a little former than that, but kind of metaphorically. Yeah, a really big napkin. And, took that, and, and basically took that single slide in and met with groups of 20 or 30 in the PMO over the course of about a half a day, 45 minutes yeah. a slot. And the goal was to show them how it would work after. Okay. Right? So if you think about the big picture and the stuff that's there, there's a portfolio Kanban and workflows that way, and, and maybe you're building large solutions that goes into a set of capabilities. They needed to know how they could, they needed to envision how they would work after. Yeah. So it was the after case. So the roadmap is the same thing. How do you get from here to after, well, guess what? There's a series of step steps step, and fairly yeah. logical, and they follow OCM practices, and they also follow, you know, agile stuff. Can you build a, you know, agile program out of non-agile teams? Well, I don't know how. Yeah. So you're still going to have to create real agile teams. You're going to have to coach them to high performance. You're going to align them to a common mission, and you have to have all the basics to work. But when the basics work, you should be able to scale. Yeah. At the end, it's portfolio and sustain and improve, and and wrapping back. To we've got people here now. I'm sure you see them that have been on this journey. Even a scale journey for a couple, three years, yeah. they're not done because the problems haven't is gotten Is there a done, easier. though? I mean, is there a point where you get where you're like, okay, we're there? 
I don't know, didn't they try to close the patent office in like 1898 yeah. or just some, <laughs> some old, probably, probably an just, old wives' tale? It seems tale. like it's something you're going to have to keep evolving yeah. towards, you know, like to but get we're at our everything in the fifth picture major revision. One was a major release, two was a major release, 2.5 was a big deal, three was a big deal, four was a big deal, 4.5. So we're at the fifth release. I like to tell people I'm looking forward to version eight. And somebody in class said, well, why don't you call the next one version eight? I said, that'd be cheating. <laughs> Well, so let's talk about some of the other mm-hmm. stuff because you've got a lot of other things that are happening here. Um, you've got Essential Safe, which yep. is there's four different yep. versions now, right? Configurations. Okay, configurations. It's just one Sorry. version, multiple configurations. And Essential Safe is sort of the basic. It's, it's the starting point. Okay. It's also the assessment point. So we grew into Essential Safe for two reasons. One is the picture got bigger, people started getting, you know, Eye strain. Well, and, and also probably drunk with possibility too. And it's like, like where do you even start? And I and I talked to a number of people, people that you can sit down one on one with that you fundamentally respect. They're not, you know, you know, not critics or jerks or anything. And they're going, I just don't know my organization can do that. It's too much. Yeah. It's like, oh crap. So we've really fast forwarded to an after case, but they but they don't know how to get there. Yeah. And then the second, so that was a concern, a worry. Dang, it's just not quite feeling right. And then secondly, we got involved in some large implementations, including some that are really solid case studies. Okay. And they invite us at, about, out, invite us back out after a year and a half or two years for kind of an assessment. Um, and we would look at things. I remember looking at one in particular where the velocity just didn't seem right. Okay. I mean, it was an art and it seemed well-formed and really bright people. Um, coach pretty well, and the philosophy just wasn't, you can just feel it. It's like, it's just sticky. Stuff isn't moving. Yeah. So we started drilling into the spreadsheets. It's like, well, tell me about this team. That's a team of devs. Well, what do you mean? That's a te- <laughs> Seriously, you're laughing. <laughs> These are serious people. That's a team of devs in this area. And then they have the QA team over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a team that tests their stuff. Yeah. Because, and, and by the way, this is iSkills to the max, and these are not stupid people. These are people that grew up with a But that's the, the way they've always done exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. So, so we said, that's not even an agile team. Yeah. And then it's like, with this velocity not really happening the way you think, these, and, and by the way, everything's a dependency at that point, right? Yeah. You can't really move anything. So I said, well, inspect and adapt has to sort that out. There's no way you could get Well, through. if you're inspecting and adapting. <laughs> well, that's a, that we couldn't. Yeah. We couldn't get buy-in for that ceremony. That's too much time and effort. Right. And by, the way, yeah. and by the way, you don't understand, Dean, we're a distributed team. So it's like the you team is distributed agile. It doesn't work. They're not doing inspecting that. One more. Okay. So now <laughs> when you get to the end of the PI, how's it going? Not that great. Seems like we have, you know, deferred risk and system integration just isn't going right. And I said, tell me about the system demo. That's too hard. We don't do that. <laughs> Safe butt. I'm not making this it's up. Safe butt. I'm not making this up. And by the way, their their productivity is probably 50% higher than it's ever been. Yeah. But it's just not flowing, and you can tell. So I said, wow, these are some pretty clever people. They're taking it seriously. They're not, you know, they're not just uh, poo-pooing the whole right. thing. And and they're not de- they're definitely not trying to just being safe butt. That's not their goal. No, they're they trying to be safe, but wait. That part. What's a really an agile team look like? Yeah. And and so and we looked at the big picture and we did a retro, um, almost a full day, at least over half a day in the morning. And and we were we were we were forced. To, my, my team and I was forced to say, well, what does really matter? Can you skip the system demo? Well, heck no. Well, okay. Do you have to do everything in safe? Well, no. 
What exactly do you have to do? And we said, okay, that's a fair question. So okay. we boiled out of that first this, the patterns, like, yeah. like the system demo. And then out of that, we created a rendering of Essential Safe with just okay. that stuff. Well, then we had another paradigm shift, which is, are we going to have safe and Essential Safe? Right. With a slightly different picture for the way an Agile release train works. Does lean, is lean Agile leadership required both cases? Yeah. So what do we do over here versus over there? So it took a while to figure out how to fold Essential Safe just to become yeah. the, so the art layer, the, the kind okay. of the program layer of Safe, and, and, and roll that in. So it's a good starting point. And, and by the way, if you go through the roadmap again, you're going to walk through Essential Safe. Right. You're going to have to have an artwork before you add the second to a value, to a to a large solution layer. Okay. So it's it's both a starting point and an assessment tool. And as a matter of fact, as we think now about, um, we're doing some evolution of what we call lean portfolio management. We're okay. trying to make that even leaner and cleaner and more obvious of the leadership paradigm rather than the the program management paradigm. Uh, we're rolling that kind of thinking into there as well okay. to say, hey, part of your guidance would be, are they doing essential? practice as well. Okay. And if they are, then you can probably think about scale. And if not, you should probably think about getting back to the basics. And that comes back to agile teams yeah. and teams of agile teams with a backlog and a vision they agree to. So when you get an organization that is struggling, I mean, just to deliver anything, right, at all, and they want to m- move over, um, do, are there things like you've got essential safe, but are there things like you've got to get rid of these siloed teams? You've got to develop cross-functional yeah, teams? Yeah, it starts with cross-functional teams, right? Okay. You know, and, and I don't know if at all how crisp either, you know, Scrum or XP were in defining those cross-functional teams. I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's part of the definition. Now, with XP, lots of times you wouldn't have testers because it's a test-driven right. paradigm. Um, but to me, it's obvious that, and, and by the way, we add DevOps to that in a little bit. How yeah, we're going to get there. Starts we're look, get there. It starts to look more and more cross-functional. <laughs> so uh, it's just, it's obvious to us that an Agile team, by its definition, is cross-functional. It's not obvious to maybe they, half of the people out here. Yeah. Um, so if you don't call that out, then I think that's our failing. Okay. Uh, and I think that if we fast forward and just assume everything's an Agile team already because this is, you know, 15 years down the road, we're going to miss the boat, and we're not going to help the people that 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 say, "Hey, I've got a, a great group of team of six devs." Yeah. And my my favorite now this is not this is not even in the this is not in the same category was a Scrum team of thirty two requirements analysts. <laughs> Super agile. <laughs> so so we you know we have an obligation I think to kind of keep that crisp and clear, and I think if we're if our guidance is solid and we right. can agree on basic principles. Uh, you know, is a Kanban team cross-functional? I don't know how they deliver if they don't. Now that, does that mean that Kanban describes cross-functional teams? No. It means that if you're going to run a flow-based system and you want stuff to go through, you're going to be cross-functional. Yeah. Or you're going to be basically, your Kanban is going to be as zero as handoffs. I hereby hand off this little piece of yeah. code to the testers who have their own Kanban system, and the net result of that is not going to be any form of continuous right. flow. So you just, you kind of made a question pop up in my head. Um, you talk about, could we just assume that they're doing this? We assume they know what teams are. I think for a lot of folks in the space, at least a lot of the folks that I talk to, oh, well, this problem's been solved for years. Like, we figured yeah. that out. But how do you, how do you keep grounded with all, all the thousands of companies that are just beginning to walk in the door, all the late adopters? How so, do you not you know, lose we, sight of the we, fact that they're just we, starting? We have to train them all. 
And, uh, you know, we added, um, we had a Scrum XP class. We evolved that to Safer Teams. It's mm -hmm. a team-based training. Uh, our simple mantra is train everyone, launch trains. Okay. And, by the way, that's, that, uh, is there a commercial element to training? Of course, of course there yeah. is. There's a Cotter element to it as well. Yeah. If you read Cotter, it says one of the key findings, it, let's just say I'm, I'm, I'm going to implement, I need to be ISO 9001 compliant or I need to follow the new FDA guidance for medical devices. Right. One of the key findings is we decide to do that, but we don't train people. Yeah. How do you expect them? them yeah. Exactly. How do you expect them to know if you don't train them? Yeah. So we're keen for training, and, and our business model is built around training, and, and it's, there's, there's no downside to that. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a great way for our partners to introduce themselves to clients and earn value. It's a great value to the person that gets educated. Yeah. What's the value of elevating their ability a little bit? And, it's, of course, it's our commercial value as well. Yeah. Cool. All right, so you mentioned DevOps. Yep. Jumping topic now. What got you to decide to bring DevOps into this? So, um, slightly larger picture again. So, DevOps is uh, for, for those that are kind of late to lean and agile. Let's say you're a bank okay. and you're kind of late in, and you've got examples. I won't mention them there because I, I just won't. Okay. <laughs> they might but be go, to the, go to the case studies or you know, come to the summit, you'll see them. And you've got some banks that are pretty advanced. Yeah. And you're approached by a bank, you know, three years later, and it says, do we have to do this agile guru robe, you know, salute to the agile manifesto yeah. thing? We just want to deliver more frequently. And with DevOps, we could deliver every day. Yeah. It's a pretty simple story, right? Kind of a siren song. It's but like, yeah, it's if you could just like release, exactly. if we just <laughs> not eat sugar or fat, right, exactly. everything would be fine. Right. If we just automated deployment, could we release every day? Well, it turns out no. You could release one time more efficiently, but there's nothing else in the in the pipeline. Yeah. So so DevOps came across as frankly a commercial threat because because it's it's an important movement and it became an end run. Mm -hmm. I don't have to do agile if I do DevOps, uh, and also it's realistically if you look at safe. It was a development environment, and it was yeah. coaching for getting stuff ready to deploy. Okay, there's one article in there about actual releasing yeah. historically. So it was a body of knowledge, a, 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 growing, a growing kind of commercial threat in terms of just, and then I think a, a growing potential false promise of if we just do DevOps, we don't have to do this agile thing. Yeah. Well, I think we all know we can't do that, yeah. right? There is no answer to DevOps that doesn't lean out the front end. If you look at Humble's work and others in the space, um, Half of DevOps is a lean front end. Yeah. If there's no small batch to deploy, what does DevOps do? Right. Okay. I suck down all the inventory, and there's nothing here. I'll wait another year for another big blob. So, so DevOps was was basically a thing that we didn't cover well enough as a commercial threat, and I think it was potentially a false promise. So, okay. if that bank comes to us and says, "Help us," and we want to do DevOps, we're going to say, "Okay, great. Yeah. Here's how you do that part." And by the way. Continuous integration. What about continuous exploration? Where did that small batch come from? Right. What about ideation? How do you know that that's an interesting thing even to try? So it leaks pretty fast back into Lean UX and Lean Startup. Yeah. So when I looked at these about a year, year and a half ago, and the team did, I started to see this little swoosh. The swoosh is at the portfolio level, I have an idea, yeah. but I need to test it. And I don't have to invest all the money to test the idea. I only have to invest maybe 5%. But I don't have any way to get my 5% nugget yeah. through the system. Yep. So what I need to do that, I need to create an MVP. I need to create minimum features for that. I need to deploy Lean UX because Lean UX is outcomes driven. It's not design driven. The goal of Lean UX is did that thing deliver value, yeah. not did they like it. Was that a pleasant experience? Are it was like even they didn't like it yeah. if they got the result done. 
<coughs> so, <coughs> so lean UX kind of in the, so lean startup gives me a small blob. Lean UX breaks it into even smaller blobs. Agile development says I can convert that into user stories so I can get it very quickly. DevOps says, okay, now I can deploy that thing and get feedback. If you want to innovate and be able to learn from your ideas, you kind of have to do it all. Yeah. So you're kind of back to a framework saying, wouldn't it be fun if we only had to do A? Yeah. Could we do lean startup if you can't deploy a small batch? Nope. Can you do DevOps if you can't feed a new small batch in the system? So I, st- I started to see it as um, a far more holistic thing. Yeah. And when I looked at the bodies of knowledge at first, they seemed like, wow, that's really interesting. Automating deployment, the tool chain is supporting with that, right. automated tests that ties into XP makes sense. You look at lean startup, it says, well, I want to... Take, a, take my idea and prove it in the real market. Well, now I'm a big shop. Now I'm a company that builds routers. I use that example. How do I prove it in the market? i got to get into a router. Yeah. Right? I have to get into one, uh, a router of one type or a router in one market or feature capability. Maybe it's a dark release where I only turn it on on my good customers. But I can't, there's no end run on that. I can't just take this blob of code and plop awesome. it in the end out yeah. there. I have to work it, work it through the system. So the, 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 the continuum of lean startup, lean UX... Agile development and you know, cadence-based development yep. and continuous delivery is how to get a small batch for the system. So now they don't seem like different schools of thought. They seem like the tools at life cycle stages. Right. So a, a feature has a life cycle. Call it waterfall, whatever you want. It has a life cycle. Yeah. But the team doesn't. The team is constantly engaging with features at all stages of the life cycle. So every, every PI there should be features at all stages. And that's why we confused the life cycle of a feature with the way a team and organization organized to deliver the feature. And when we flip those and say, the life cycle of feature is the life cycle of feature. I can't code a thing that I don't even know I should be doing. Or I can't write a test case for a piece of code I haven't even envisioned. Okay, that's fine. But let's not confuse that with say, okay, I need to take a batch of those things in the same state and walk them through like this. No, just take one. Yeah. And that means I've got, I've got in a PI, I've got one that's in ideation. I've got another one that's, in, that's already in continuous integration. I've got another one that's in deployed and I don't have feedback. All of those things fit easily in the mind of a real, of a real agile release stream. Right. Okay. So one of the things, I just I want to comment on this for folks that are watching that was kind of transformative for me in talking with you about how mm-hmm. all this stuff works. Um, and... and the idea of bringing Lean Startup and DevOps into this picture is a big piece of that. I was fairly skeptical, mm-hmm. and we did an interview one time, and, and one of the things that <laughs> it occurred to me was these questions were being asked. And, like, how do I do DevOps? Should I do Agile? Should I, you know, whatever? Which book should I read? Should I use Kanban? Yeah, right. What which, about Scrum? Which one? What happened to Which XP? church do I join? Do we care about code quality? And exactly. The fact that you are providing an answer or a structure in which they can find an answer that works for them, I think is what is one of the great gifts of this way of working. It's, they don't know how to do it. And, and the option right. is to say, well, you can't, or you gotta switch churches, or no, there's a way to put these things I, together. I remember I was um, in Australia, and the CIO of Australia Post, who is really driving them to the next generation. I mean, electronic delivery, communication strategies and channels, not just, you know, here's a postal piece. He said, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fairly deep thinker, and he said, I read a lot of these books, um, and he didn't know I was in the audience or whatever he said, but, but I employ, I don't remember, a, a significant number of people, wouldn't say if I did remember, um, and I can't expect them to 
read about XP and synthesize that, and so read about Kanban. Yeah. And, and oh, by the way, Lean. Oh, is that the goal, or is that is that Kanban? Is that the same as Lean? Um, and and there's uh, five or six good texts on DevOps, not to mention Scrum. Yeah. There's more there's books more books on Scrum than there are Scrum people. I think yeah. I think you get one each. I cannot expect them to read that and digest it. And it's figure not out how to use it. And then come up with a common answer. And yeah. they said, Safe did that for me. Yeah. So I use Safe because it, it did that. And if there's something that's not working for me, I'll, I'll first pivot back to the principles. I'm putting a little bit of words in his mouth to make sure that the Inspecting change I'm about to make makes right. sense. Absolutely. And then I'll take it from there. But, but why not start with the work that people have already done? Do you find that people in general have that understanding or do they look at it like, this is how you have to do all these things and get kind of dogmatic about it because there's so much complexity to it. So I would say that, you know, dogmatism is a funny thing. <clears throat> you might say it's dogmatic to say you have to do the system demo. So I said, let's not be dogmatic about that. And then they don't do it. Yeah. And then you have other yeah, things in there happens. that's dogmatic about you have to, uh, I can't think of a good example right off, well, I'll, I'll just pick two-week sprints. Okay. We're pretty zany about that. Yeah. But people run three-week sprints all the time. I take no offense. Okay, so if we're dogmatic about two-week sprints and we hit these people on the nose, well, that's stupid. But not doing the system demo is even dumber. Yeah. So there's a, there's a U-curve optimization between is this good kind of rigorous guidance and you should really do it that way or you need to think about it in your context. And nobody can answer that for anybody except right. themselves. We, we give them the starting point. We put our best words around it with essential safe. At least we boil it down and say, I don't have to have, I don't have, to have portfolio action. I don't have to have you know, capabilities. So lots of things I don't have to do. at least be disciplined in the practice of this Absolutely. and then inspect and adapt. Right. And, and then, but, but inspect and adapt is part of essential safe. You have to do that. <laughs> Yes. Okay. I'll be dogmatic about that. Yeah, to inspect and adapt, okay? I think that's a, it's a really, there's a lot of stuff that people just bail on in, in agile practices yep. in general because they think, oh, we're different, we're special. Yep. Well, yeah, and that's why these things are there because you're all different and special. And if you get these basics down, you can figure out what you need to change. I think it was, uh, Carol was talking to Ron Jeffries in a sidebar today and he said, you know, being agile doesn't say a team just can do whatever they want. There's more discipline involved yeah. in agility than that. Now, do you think um, it takes more discipline to be good at agile than it would be to follow a traditional waterfall practice? No, I think it is. I mean, if I think about kind of my tipping point 15 years ago, it was through XP. And people think of extreme programming it just sounds zany and it sounds wild. Man, that is one discipline process. Yeah. XP, one of the key principles, you have coding standards. How many agile teams and waterfall teams? Are, oh, I'll well, name the, the variables however I want. Exactly. Or, exactly. I'm going to run. I'm going to have all the code on my desktop for a couple months at a time. So there, it was. It, it, XP is very disciplined. Yeah. So if you think about that as as the basic root, the process of creating a single line of software that can take down a satellite or burn you up in an MRI machine should be fairly disciplined. Yeah. Right. So that discipline has to be there. So I would say is that executing agile is more disciplined more rigorous and tougher. The only thing that isn't tougher is that the real tough part of the waterfall is you get crappy outcomes. Yeah. <laughs> you suffer badly. Pain and, yeah, you you suffer badly it. at the end. Yeah. And XP, you know, let's just say continuous integration. You suffer a little bit every day. It's like I put my code in there and it broke the build. But oh, you crap. get a better result exactly. with the other side. Yep. So I, I appreciate yep. explaining that stuff. Um, so you've got an event coming up and I have to look Do at the my safe notes. Summit. In October. The second to the sixth, yep. and you've got in San Antonio. San, San Antonio, and you've got it's yourself, 
Gene Kim. Yep, Gene's going to give a keynote. And, and Mel Robbins. Mel Robbins is going to give a keynote. She's going to. Uh, Gene Kim is going to talk about DevOps. Yeah. Uh, Mel Robbins is going to talk about personal change management and kind of the motivations uh, to get people to change. Um, Reinertsen's going to talk about decentralized decision making. One okay. of the key, probably if you look at all the kind of bodies that work around Lean. The key cultural aspect is that if you can't decentralize decision-making, you can't go fast. Okay. And he's going to talk about that. And I'm going to talk about innovation in the large enterprise using this little swooshing analogy that yeah. I just described. This is great. So I, I, it's really neat to me that it's a, covering such a broad range yep. of stuff, a better, hopefully a more healthy solution for a lot of organizations. They're not just picking yep. pieces to fix one part of it. Cool. Um, one more question. Mm-hmm. So you've been doing this stuff for a long time, and, and this is not specifically tied to safe, but I'm very curious to hear about how you stay sort of feeling creatively fulfilled with this stuff. I mean, everything's, there's all this work stuff, but what is it that outside of the day-to-day work that helps you feel like you're getting new ideas, you're feeling creative about it? Like what, what fills you that way? You know, I think you're just born with a certain element of that. I think I'm a lifelong learner. I think your, my teams would say, and my, my managers would say, I probably consume more books than they do. Uh, so if somebody says, you know, I think Chris, Chris came by one day and he said, you should read Switch on Monday. I said, let's talk about Switch. And he goes, oh, I need to you know, refresh my memory on that one. Um, so I'm, I'm an avid reader. I think that one of the things that triggered um, kind of my connection with SAFE uh, is, is, um, is part of Dan Pink's video. We use just mm-hmm. a little snippet of that in Leading SAFE. And it's a part that what motivates people, especially knowledge workers, is called challenge and mastery and making a contribution. Yeah. Uh, a lot of my friends are retirement age. I, I keep going to retirement parties, and yeah. it's just, I don't know. I don't like those parties. <laughs> I respect them, and the reason is, like is their jobs were great. Yeah, okay. Right? So if I spent, you know, 40 years running a business of this type or working in a job I didn't like, I'd retire too. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, where's the contribution? Yeah. So it just seems to become kind of in- introverted. And I think um, I-, I don't consider myself a, um, a-, a leader who f- focuses so much on culture. Okay. I think my teams would say that's not my strength. Okay. But I would say we focus on customers okay. and outcomes. And I think what motivates us is what we-, we just did a simple book signing. And one person came by and he said, I want you to know that I, I-, I like my job a lot more now. That's great. Um, it was I mean, really that's good. Be like Absolutely, and it's like you know thing. that causes you to get up the next day. Yeah. Um, and until until I find something that I you know find more motivational, more inspiration, I'll keep doing this. Okay. Thanks for not asking the question about when I'm going to retire. I get no, that one now no. too. To me, I think if you if you're passionate about what you do and you really love it, it's not work. It's this is what I do. Absolutely. I mean, I and, help I, people and that's get better. I, and I don't know how to counsel that. I've been really fortunate in my life. I think that early on, I decided I probably couldn't work for any company that would employ me. So it was well, like, I well, okay, that's, so I better, yeah. I better create my own environment, <laughs> and, I, and I've really done that. I think, I think we also we have heroes. I continue to read Deming. Okay. Um, I, Richard just mentioned the other day that he, he reread Out of the Crisis, and he goes, that was really good. And I said, do you know how old he was when he wrote that? He was 86. So he, Deming <laughs> wrote the book that I think is his best work when he was 86. Yeah. So I think I probably have another book or two left in me. Yeah. So I'm not, I, I don't have to be done yet. And a couple more versions. I think, oh, yeah. Version 8, someplace down the road. Cool. Maybe I'll retire after version 8. <laughs> Maybe I'll die on stage or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's, I don't want to go there. I don't want to talk about death yeah. while we're here. Um, anything else going on that we should talk about? 
Nope, you guys do a great job. You All always right, do an cool. insightful interview and really appreciate being part of your process. Oh, I really appreciate yeah. you coming by. Cool, yeah. thanks a lot. And, and for those of you who want to learn more about this, they can go to scale.yourframework.com. Absolutely. Everything right. we know, we make public. Yeah, and yep. it's all up there and, and get in touch with you if they... Yep. How do they get in touch with you? What's the best way uh, to just, just contact support and say, I want to have a question for Dean. Okay. Just support at scale.agile.com and it'll come to my attention. Okay, and we got your Twitter up there as yep. well on the feed. Cool. So. cool. Yep. Thanks a lot for coming yep. by. Thanks.